I'd like to begin today with a story, not of mine, but a story Jesus told. I'm not going to tell you where it's at because I don't want you to go read it. I want you to just listen. And the reason I'm doing that is often, usually when we hear this story, and it's one you're familiar with, we tend to focus or place ourselves in the story at a different spot. And today I want us to identify or place ourselves with another character in the story. It's a story about a man who was traveling. And he had a problem. A big problem. He was broken down beside the road, literally. Life wasn't working for him at all. He was in a wreck. And we've all been there, where life isn't working. Maybe some of you today are right there. For whatever reasons, whatever circumstances, whatever is going on in your life, but part of the pain of this story is as this man is laying there beside the road and he's broken and his life is a wreck, he sees person after person pass by and they don't stop. I, I know it's hard to believe, but they don't stop. And yet it's not too hard to believe, is it? Because as we've been broken down, as we've been in a tough time in our life, We've seen people pass us by, haven't we? Too busy? Not seen? Busy wrapped up in themselves? Busy focused on their next task, their next goal, where they're headed, what they got to do? And they don't even notice. And in our wreck, in our sitting there, we're hoping, it's like, oh, here comes somebody, maybe they'll help. And they go right on by. And yet the interesting thing in the story is somebody finally stops and it's the person you don't expect to stop. I don't know who that would be for you. Maybe it's some big tattooed biker and you're saying, I, you know, I sort of hope he doesn't stop. Or whoever would be for you that person, like there's no way this one's going to stop and help me. I got to wait for the next one, I'm sure. And yet it's the very person who stops. Now, when all of that time in your life is over, who are you going to remember? Who are you going to say thanks for for years to come? It's not the people who were too busy and passed by. It's the person who stopped, who cared, who helped, the one you least expected. And your view of those people, whoever they represent, will change forever. Because somebody stopped and helped you. Of course, the story is the Good Samaritan. And it is found in Luke 10. But it seemed to me that that is a powerful illustration of what we want to talk about today as we look at relationships. We've reached a point in this sermon series that we've sort of laid a foundation. Um, if, if you've missed the first few weeks, we're looking this summer... At some of the times when in the Bible we read that phrase, one another. Eighty-five times it's used in the Bible. And in those 85 places it talks about how we treat one another, about our relationships. It tells us how we view these other people. 
It tells us how we should treat them. It even has some cases where it says, now don't do this to one another. But they're really guidelines for our relationships, all our relationships, and how to treat those around us so that we have healthy relationships, so we have relationships that work. Up until today, we've laid what I think of as three foundations, because these aren't things we do. They are basic beliefs, basic values about the people around us. We've looked at love one another. Because one of the foundations is we've got to care about the people around us. If we don't care about them, we're not going to have good relationships. The second week, we looked at be devoted to one another. That We need to be committed to those people around us. And those relationships, even when it takes work, even when there's bumps in the road, real relationships take commitment. And of course, last week we looked at forgive one another. Extend mercy to one another. Don't treat people as they deserve. Maybe don't treat people as they've treated us. And turn around and be forgiving. Give them mercy. Three basic attitudes. Three basic ways of looking at people and looking at our relationships. But those need to be our values, our, our compass, our north star that always guide us. I'm sure some of you are aware of this, but a lot of studies about management and leadership have come to realize that all of us have lots of things we believe. We have a whole list of beliefs. But out of all of those lists of beliefs, and there could easily be dozens, 50, 100 things we believe. We may have all of these things we believe, but there's only a few things that are called our values. And the meaning of this is these things I believe so strongly, they will prompt me to act. They will guide how I spend my money. They will guide how I spend my time. Because of all, of all these beliefs, there's a few things that really control me. I hold them so strongly. And they will motivate me to do things. I say that because... As we look at relationships, as you look at your relationships, before we go into doing today, and what are we going to do, I want you to ask yourself, are these things you believe about relationships? Because I suspect all of us in this room would hear those things, these three foundations, say, yeah, I believe those. But my question for you today is, are they your values? Do you hold them so strongly they will motivate you to get out of your chair and do something? Or make a choice and not do something? Do you care that deeply that it will drive you to do something for that other person because you care about them? And are you really committed to that relationship? And do you show that by sticking in there and doing more and getting up and doing it again and, and doing it again? And is mercy, is forgiving such a value for you, you will turn the other cheek again and again and again. 
they need to be not just things we believe and good principles. And, oh, sure, Jim, we ought to do that. But are they your values that drive you? Well, we come to the one today, and this is where we really move from what I think of as foundational values to putting those into actions. In a sense, what do we do if we really believe those three things and they are guiding our lives? What do we do? And one of the first things we do is we serve one another. Galatians 5:13. Paul admonishes us, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another humbly in love. To serve one another. I think we need to pause for a second before we talk about serving one another and read the first two phrases that Paul says there. The gospel, the good news, does bring us freedom. We celebrate that in communion. Freedom from our sins. Freedom from a sense of earning our salvation under the law. Freedom from needing all these checklists and all of that. We're free. But there's a warning that Paul gives us in the second phrase, and that is, that is our freedom can become something very self-focused. And I think we see that happening pretty often today, don't we? Where for a lot of people, faith has come to be, this is just my relationship with God, it's just about me and God. And, and our consumer culture has encouraged us to focus on, what do I gain here because I'm now a Christian? What is God going to do for me? What have I inherited? What have I received? It's for me. And our faith can become very, could I say, self-absorbed. And Paul says, don't do that. Don't let that happen. Because Christ's death for you and the freedom that we are given in the good news is not so it can be all about me but rather it is an invitation in that freedom to focus on others and serve one another. As we care about each other, as we are committed to each other, as we forgive each other, we start to live that out as we serve one another. we want to talk to an expert in relationships, there would be one obvious person we would go to. And that would be Jesus. I think it would be safe to say no one ever had more healthy relationships than Jesus. No one ever understood better how to relate to people than Jesus. He would be the ultimate expert, the ultimate model for us. And the truth is, if we look at Jesus, anywhere you want to look in the Gospels, how he treats others is what jumps out at us. How he treats the disciples, how he treats his enemies, how he treats those who opposed him, and how he treated the crowds, how he treated sinners. It just jumps out at us, doesn't it? How he was always relating to people. And I think we would all agree that's one of the most powerful things about Jesus. As we, as we watch him touch a leper, heal a blind person, 
go to Matthew's home when nobody else wanted to go near Matthew the sinner. Or as he shows compassion toward the woman caught in adultery. On and on and on we see Jesus and how he treats other people and it's what jumps out at us. Probably even as much or more than his teachings. The power of what he did. Well, there's one interesting piece that Jesus says there. Because Jesus didn't just treat people that way for the sake of those people. There's one other reason he did it. And that's what speaks to us today and our topic of serve one another. If you'll turn over to John 13, I want to read something Jesus says there. And it comes at the end of the Last Supper. Thursday night, the upper room, Jesus' final night with his disciples. He's had the bread and the juice and the Passover meal with them. And he's just finished washing their feet. And then he wants them to not miss why he did that. I want to begin in verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place at the table. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. But now I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is one of the greatest examples, short of the cross, where we see Jesus humbling himself to serve those he had relationships with, his disciples. It was such a humble act of servanthood, some of them rebelled against him and said, no, 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 you're not washing my feet. And he said, oh, yes, I am. And he was adamant that they let him serve them. But notice what he says, I have not just done this to be a servant. Jesus was intentionally saying, I need to leave you who follow me an example. So it's crystal clear to you, this is what my followers do. We serve one another. And if I'm your Lord, and I should be, and you call me your teacher who is teaching you how to live life, and you better, then pick up a basin and towel, because we serve. And then he adds that one phrase, and the secret is, though you may not understand it right now, if you'll do this, if you'll serve, you'll actually be blessed. And our first reaction as humans would, of course, be washing feet. I don't think so. This is no blessing. Your feet stink and they're dirty. And this is very humiliating. And I've never seen toes like yours. And on and on it goes. I mean, I can't imagine. It would not be the top of my list of things to do. And yet Jesus adds that most interesting phrase... If you'll serve, you'll actually be blessed. And so Paul reinforces that and he says, you need to use your freedom in Christ 
to motivate you to serve one another. Well, what does that actually mean? What does it mean to serve? How do we do that? How do we know what to do? What's it going to look like? Well, I want to talk a little bit about that practically. And on your notes, if you have the notes, there's two circles. And I want to start with that red note, that red oval. I know it's not a circle, it's an oval. That circle represents not me. Because serving doesn't start with the one who wants to serve. So we don't start with asking ourselves, well, what do I like to do? What would I feel like doing today? That's not where serving starts. That red circle represents the needs of those people around me. What's going on in their lives? What are they facing? Because serving starts with the need, not what I want to do. And so as you look at the people in relationship around you, if we want to be people who are willing to serve, we start with listening. What are they saying? What are they talking about? Sometimes, what are they not saying? But to try and discern what's going on in their lives, what are they facing? Is there something happening, something tough going on, some bad news they've received? Something that's not working. And that can be financially, it can be physically, it can be medically, it can be relationally. It can be all kinds of things that bring them to a point where they have a need. But remember the story of the Good Samaritan. We're all busy. And though we all hate it and we all say we're not going to get busier, it seems like we are getting busier. But that is a dangerous place to be because it's so easy to be so busy, we don't see the needs around us. We don't even notice the guy in the ditch. I, I, I hate gender-based statements and assumptions. But it does seem like guys have a tendency to get so focused on something, we honestly don't notice things. And if we're married, our spouses repeatedly say, you saw that, didn't you? What? Saw what? And of course, like, you couldn't really have missed that, did you? Yeah, I did. Didn't even see it. That's not an excuse, guys. If anything, it's just we got to work harder. Because I don't think we get, a, we get a pass. All of us need to say to ourselves, if we're going to serve one another, we have to slow down enough to notice those around us and notice what's going on in their lives. And sometimes we have to intentionally work at that. It doesn't just happen. Sometimes it hits us right in the forehead. We can't miss it. But that's the first circle, and that's where serving has to start. But once we are aware of that, then we are coming to the second circle. And that green circle is what I've got to contribute. How can I help? It may be time. It may be I know something. It may be I have some resources, maybe it's actually money, but maybe it's lots of other things, some food, some clothes. Whatever I might have that I could add, that I could allow, it would allow me to serve that person. It could even be, I can't help with that, but I know somebody who can. Help me, let me get you in touch with this person. 
because they can help with that situation. And serving then is where those two intersect. Serving is where those needs that I see in the people around me and what I can do, they overlap. And I can help with that. There's times we legitimately see needs that break our heart, but we are not able to help. Don't focus on that. Focus on where they do intersect, and I can help. I can help with that. I can take you there. I, I know this. I, I found an, a solution to that. I, I tried these three things, and this fourth thing finally worked. Maybe it'll help you. I can pray for you. I can do that and follow up on those prayers. That's where serving is. Where those two, the needs around you and your uh, uh, resources, I call it, what you can do overlap. One of the challenges in all this is that it won't always be convenient. The man who stopped to help the Good Samaritan, I'm sure he was busy and it wasn't convenient for him to stop and help. But he changed the direction of a person's life because he made the time to stop and help. And you see, that's where we come back to those values. Do, am I so committed for, to care about those around me? And to be committed to those around me and to forgive those around me that I will make time when I see a need. And if they're not our values, then we'll be too busy. But if they are truly our values that will guide our decisions, our calendar, our checkbook, whatever, then we will make time when we see those needs around us. Even when it's not convenient. But the other thing we will see is that wonderful promise that Jesus says, if you do this, if you will humble yourself and wash feet, you'll actually be blessed. And I suspect every one of us in this room has done some serving in some way at some time, and we've experienced that. It wasn't convenient. It wasn't easy. Um, I have this phrase a friend gave me years ago, ministry is messy. And it's so true. Caring for others is messy. But we end up being blessed. And we end up saying, I'm glad I did that. I, I'm glad I went to an elementary school and gave out water all day. I, I'm glad I went to family promise and spent the evening with those three families doing entertainment. I'm glad I went and saw that person who was sick. I'm glad I did that. Because serving really does bless us. And that's one of the things that people who don't get Jesus, they don't, they don't understand that. But he's right. It does bless us. And obviously it blesses those we help. So as we close today, I want to leave you with this question. Who can you help this week? Who can you serve this week? And I want to ask that question two ways. The obvious way 
As I ask you that, I suspect that for most of you, a face has already jumped in front of your eyes or your mind. You already know somebody in your circle of friends who is in a tough place that you could serve, you could help. Their oval of needs and your oval of resources overlap at some point, and there's something you can do. So my challenge for you today is don't walk by them on the road anymore. This week, what can you do to serve them? What will you do? But I want to ask that question one more way. Will you also this week pray a prayer to God and say, God, I know you're going to put somebody in my path this week that I don't even know yet. Or indeed, I don't know of. God, will you help me open my eyes so I am not guilty of walking on the other side of the road, not even noticing? Spirit, will you tap me on the shoulder and say, Jim, don't miss this. Hear what they're saying. There's a need here. And you can serve them. You can help. Maybe a stranger. Or it may be a need of somebody you know that you didn't know was there. Something new. Will you sincerely pray and say, God, open my eyes. I don't want to walk past. I want to serve like Jesus. Let's pray. God, first of all, thank you for how you were willing to show us a life of servanthood. I, I cannot imagine a greater servant than Jesus. All the way to his death on the cross, he was serving. And he told us he did that to give us an example so we will be like him. So help us, Father, please. We understand it's important. And we understand we are all so busy, it's the enemy of serving. And Satan wants to keep us busy and distracted and not caring and not helping and not serving because we're so busy in our own lives. But Father, help us here, Paul, so that our freedom in Christ draws us to be like him. And open our eyes this week so that we see a need around us that we do something about, that we serve those around us. I ask this in Jesus' name.